It's good to be with each of you today. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, our Heavenly Father, we're just so grateful for your presence that's in our lives and it's in this place. And that we can know in whom we believe. Thank you, Lord, for your presence, for your power. We thank you for your peace, for the goodness and kindness that comes at the extension of your hands and your people. And as we worship, help us to move aside and to invite you to be our leader, to be our God in all capacities. In your name we pray, through your Son, Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Amen. The first church where I was pastoring in Wilmington, Ohio, was called New Burlington Friends. And after being there a few years, they decided to put together a, a newsletter. And, you know, usually when you do a, a newsletter or something, you kind of choose a, a theme or a scripture verse or a quote that you want to have on each ensuing newsletter. And it was the, that's the, the song. So thank you for sharing that today. Kind of brings back some memories of where I've been, and uh, so I thank you for sharing that song today. I'll be sharing in just a few minutes the scripture lesson, but I want to tell a story first. Um, being obedient, doing what's right, doing what you're told to do, not yielding to temptation, don't be a slugger too lazy to work. Those were some of the house rules where I grew up. We lived on a 200-acre dairy farm in central Indiana. We also took care of my grandfather's property as well, and he had about 200 acres. It was mom and my four older brothers who took care of the livestock and the land primarily. My father had passed away at a very early age, and my mom continued on with the farm, and she needed our help, and she needed us to do what she asked us to do. And she didn't want us messing with any temptations that lured out there in the mainland. You know, she learned quickly that when you send one, uh, two boys to do one boy's work, it takes twice as long. You know, that's, that's an old saying, but she learned that too. Well, when I was about 10 years old, I was tempted to go fishing. I loved to fish. I still love the water. Um, and there was some local creeks that I could ride my bicycle to. Well, one summer morning... Mom um, asked me if I could do an additional chore, and that was go to finish planting the couple rows of sweet corn that needed to be planted. Well, my mind wasn't on sweet corn. It was on fishing in those creeks. I'd already done most of my morning chores. But she asked me to plant those two rows of sweet corn, and she handed me the little brown paper bag that the corn was in. And she told me to go plant that corn before I went fishing because she knew what I was going to do. She was heading to town to buy some groceries and things. So I began planting the corn very reluctantly, you know, seed after seed. And over in the fence row was a dead tree and a stump. And I'd plant some corn, I'd look at that stump. I'd plant some corn, I'd look at that stump. And I decided I was going to dump the rest of that sweet corn in that stump. And then I was going to go fishing. And I ran and I got my pole and I got my bike and I took off. 
You know, Mom never said hardly anything. I never said a word about it other than, did you plant all the corn? I said, yeah, the bag's empty. And so uh, that was at the dinner table. And then about 10 days, two weeks later, I don't remember the exact time, Mom said, Rusty, why don't you grab your billfold and come with me to Petro's Hardware? Well, I knew what that meant. Petro's Hardware had fishing stuff. And she told me to take my wallet, so I was going to get to buy some stuff, you know. And we get in there to Petro's Hardware, and uh, I go over immediately to all the fishing uh, equipment and the, the gear and stuff in there, and I'm looking it over, and I hear Mom say, Rusty, come up here to the counter. And I walked around the corner, and I see this brown paper bag sitting on the countertop. I didn't buy fishing equipment. I bought sweet corn. She wanted me to learn to do what she asked. She wanted me to learn to be obedient. She wanted me to follow the instructions. She never said anything to me about, you know, you needed to do this, you needed to do that. She just handed me that bag of corn, and that afternoon I went back out and I planted a couple rows of sweet corn. You know, it tasted pretty good later in the summer, but she really never scolded me. But I knew in my heart, that I needed to start being more obedient. And so that's a little of my thoughts today. The promise of faith comes from being obedient, doing the right thing, doing what you're told, following what God asks you to do. <clears throat> so I want to read part of chapter 11 of Hebrews. If you want to follow along, you're more than welcome. He will start with... Uh, I'm just going to read a few of the verses in Hebrews. The, Hebrews chapter 11 is, is a great, great chapter um, about faith. I think there's 17 different times the word faith is used. And so let me just read a few of these, seven or eight of them. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And then in chapter, the second verse, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And then down a little farther, by faith Noah, when he warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heirs of the righteousness that comes by faith. And then we go on to Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. I don't know if I could do that. I got three children. What a request that was by God, you know? I just can't imagine gathering wood knowing what you're going to be doing but by faith Abraham when, te when God tested him 
offered Isaac as a sacrifice. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instruction about his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they drowned. The book of Hebrews was written to second generation Christians. So that places it during the latter part of the first century. The author is not really known. It may have been the Apostle Paul, some people say, or one of his scribes, or it could be by someone else. But we do know that the author was familiar with Timothy because it says so in the 13th chapter and the 23rd verse. Paul knew Timothy because of some going on some missionaries trips together. And the book was written to encourage Christians in that generation to continue to have faith in Jesus, his teachings, because some were considering returning to Judaism because it was so difficult being a Christian in that era, being a follower of God in that time. It was so difficult. If you remember in 70 AD, Emperor Nero, you know, he made life difficult for those that were following God and Jesus. He even tarred and feathered some, or at least tarred them, and would put them on a stake and use them as a torch at night. Now, that's persecution. That's tough. And so some of those followers of God and Christians were saying, what's the use? I'm just going back to Judaism. It's a lot easier to do that. The Romans had made it very difficult, and persecution was imposed on believers. So it was written to this second generation of Christians during that time to help those who were struggling in their faith and in their belief. You know, they're kind of waning a little bit. The author did not want Jesus' followers to give up, to give in, or to give out, but to keep on the traditions of faith and belief in God, not man's laws but what God had established. The world may seem like it's struggling right now. It may seem perhaps to you that it's falling apart. Maybe you're in a place where things seem to be falling apart. We may think, what can I do? What can I offer? Don't give in, don't give out, and don't give up. Be it obedient. Do what's right in the Lord's eyes. Faith is a hope that is absolutely certain that you expect it will come. It's like ordering something from uh, Amazon. Or, you know, maybe you order it from Target and it's going to be delivered. You know, how many FedEx trucks do we see on the road these days? 
and Amazon. They're all over the place. And so when we order it, we have faith that it's going to come. Faith, trust, belief, follow, be obedient. Faith is flipping the light switch on, and the light just comes on. Keep that light lit in your heart for Jesus. We are to have faith in God and in his son, our savior, every day. Faith is the hope which looks forward with conviction. The second generations were struggling and questioning their faith. Was it really true? Could Jesus be the Messiah? Was he the son of God? Today, you and I need to live with a sincere conviction that Jesus lived and died and rose from the grave. Hebrews 13, 8 reads, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. See, he hasn't changed. He's still the same God. Jesus is still Jesus for all generations. Faith is proven by actions and beliefs. So how well are we doing that today in a world that seems to be turning upside down on some levels anyway the other evening some of our grandchildren were with us we have we have six not a great number but a perfect number for our family and when they were over um, my wife takes out her iPhone and she types in um, Right, I suggested we sing the song Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Okay. <laughs> I thought it had a good ring to it. And the kids just loved it. They just ate it up. Then we did Deep and Wide. Jesus loves the little children. And we did a few others. You know, and they just ate all that up. They were just soaking it in. Did they get every word right? No. Did they always go deep and wide or did they go you know the other way yeah <laughs> it didn't matter yeah joy like a fountain all those things and I just ate it up pass it on friends pass it on from generation to generation the love of Christ and don't hesitate to do it because kids and adults both need that kind of joy and fun in their hearts. For the followers of Jesus, you and I, a lack of faith is seldom a matter of disbelief. It usually can also be a lack of fear. When you walk around your house during the day, you know, we kind of do confidently, don't we? But try it at night with no lights. There's a fear, and rightly so. We can't see as well, so we're kind of afraid we might stumble and trip and fall and break something. Fear can replace faith, belief, and trust. A story about um, there was this mother that had a five-year-old son, 
and she asked him to go into the pantry and get the jar of flour. And he'd been in the pantry several times. He knew where the flour was. He goes over and he opens up the door and he looks in. He hesitates. His mom said, go on in, that's all right. You know where the flour is. You just go get it and you bring it to me. It'll be okay. And he goes over the door again. It's dark in there. And she said, it's okay. Go on in. Jesus goes on in ahead of you. He'll lead you the way. And the little boy goes over the door and he looks and says, Jesus, if you're in there, could you hand me the sack of flour? <laughs> Sometimes fear does overcome our belief and we become afraid. And it's okay to ask Jesus to help you, to ask God to help you. He knew what would have happened if he would asked his mom. She would have said, go on in, right? So he asks someone greater and even his parents for assistance and for help. Stand up for what's right. Do what's right. Don't give in and say what difference is it going to make. Because it's going to make a difference for you and for those coming after you. I heard someone say, and I believe it's on some of your literature, we only need a simple faith for a complex world. I think you say it a little bit differently. The world may be complex, outside these walls but faith is still faith and Jesus hasn't changed faith does not have to be a complex theological thought out process faith is believing in God in yourself and in others and trusting in faith faith is believing in yourself believing in God you know, when I get up of a morning, it might take a little longer than it used to to put my feet on the floor and to get the feet moving, but in faith, I do it. I signed up for Social Security not long ago. You know, my check just gets deposited in my account. I don't have to do anything. It just shows up. I trust it'll be there. Well, my wife does the financial part, so she trusts that it's going to be there. I get in the car, put the key ignition. Well, now you can just press a little button on some of them. And you just expect it to start. And it does. I come in at noon in the evening from working outside. There's food on the table. The sandwiches are made. I just come in in faith that it'll be there. A little different one. It takes faith to step into a metal tube with wings and travel at 500 miles an hour at 30,000 feet. And some of the terminology that goes along with flying is not the best. Have you ever noticed that? Your flight ends at a terminal. A dreaded word when we have cancer or something like that. The flight attendant assures us when we make our final approach... We'll reach our destination. We look for the cheapest flights on the cheapest airlines built with the cheapest parts. 
Yet there are hundreds of airline flights every day that people step on board to get from one destination to another. Exercising faith. We have faith that heaven is real. Are we prepared, making preparations for that flight? If we put our faith in such everyday activities, surely we can put our faith and trust in he who created us, he who loves us and died for us. We can't see faith, but we can possess it and we can pass it on. In Ephesians 6, Paul writes, Above all, take the shield of faith. Then you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, Paul was describing the large Roman shield used in the infantry. It was for protection. Shields were two feet wide and about four feet long. And they had either leather or metal on the outside of them from top to bottom. And the shield protected them from the enemy darts that were frequently poisoned or covered with tar used as flaming arrows to shoot at the enemy. Now, we don't have such weapons today that we use. But that's what Paul was describing. Today, fiery darts can be temptations of lust, of greed, of ungodly behavior, of not doing what you're asked, of not following directions, of not being obedient, a poor attitude, envy, a filthy mouth. All this can cause us to possess a lack of faith. The world, Satan has a lot of darts that he throws our way to get us off track. He attempts to lure us away from God. But the writer of Hebrews says to us, or as I quoted earlier, keep the faith. Don't give in, don't give out, and don't give up. Stay focused. Don't give in to temptations. Faith is practiced and is built on the belief that what God said and does is true. Faith is not ambiguous. It is not unsure faith is concrete it's a conviction and provides a future reality that heaven is for real which is worth living for and believing in by faith we seek the risen christ following his teachings when the destination is not completely clear i don't know what's on the other side i know what other people have said I know what the scriptures say, but I don't know what's over there. But we should prepare for it every day. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, evidence not seen. Martin Luther once expressed his need for trust when he wrote, Faith is taking the first step when you don't see the entire staircase. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring next week or next year prepare now your heart faith is not always logical but neither is it illogical our faith adds God to the equation which makes all the difference as we trust and meet the day to day challenges of being a Christian 
in an unchristian culture. In the 11th chapter of Hebrews, we find an inspiring litany of God's faithful people who could not see the finish line, but they knew it was there, and they worked towards it. Such faith spurned them into action even with uncertain and challenging circumstances across their path. They became faith walkers. No matter how small or insufficient you believe your faith may be, be obedient and seek God's direction. God is for you, whether we believe that 100% or not. He is for you, and the people in this room are for you. Faith is simple. Believe. Trust. Be obedient. There's a hymn that I learned as a child. Perhaps all of you know it too. Give the best to your master. Give the strength of your youth. Clad in salvation's full armor, join in the battle for truth. Give of the best to your master. Give him first place in your heart. Give him first place in your service. Give him the best you have. 